The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about the annoying yellow smiley face. No, 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 no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on our guest today, I invite you to join our conversation live by calling us at 877-864-4869. Again, that's 877-864-4869. Or log on to toginet.com and come into our chat room. You can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and at HH Talk Radio and tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. All right, today's show is a focus on post-traumatic stress disorder. And we talk about this a lot on the show because of the work that I do with our servicemen and women that are coming home from duty. But we are going to relate it today uh, in a more general fashion. We're going to talk about post-traumatic stress as it relates to natural disasters, such as what has just gone on in Oklahoma. And from everyone here at Harvesting Happiness, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone affected by the tornadoes in Oklahoma. As many of you know, there were over 200 people injured, 24 died, and of the 24, seven of them were children. The mayor of Moore, Oklahoma, announced that everyone has been accounted for, and uh, what they need there now is money, not things. And if you can give, no matter how big or small, it would be greatly appreciated. You can go to www.cnn/impact. 
and look at all the uh, charities available there to give to in that region. There are no scammers on that site. It has been uh, vetted. So let's come back to the subject matter of post-traumatic stress. And I leave off the D because I really find the D being disorder uh, is a disservice to what goes on when somebody experiences a traumatic event. And our first guest today is Naomi Kriske. She is a Hurricane Katrina survivor whose fear and helplessness in the devastating Category 5 storm gave her insight into traumatic stress. Determined not just to survive the experience, but to triumph over it. Yes, a woman after my own heart. She wrote The Witness, an intense crime suspense novel set in London and told from the victim's point of view. Naomi shares with us that overcoming PTSD, we'll talk about that D when she comes on with us, comes in many formats, and for her, it was fiction writing. Good morning, Naomi, and thank you for joining me. Good morning. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Well, let's talk about how wit The Witness came to be written. Well, the simple answer is hurricanes. I know that sounds funny, but the first was Hurricane Ivan in September 2004. We had to evacuate the storm after preparing for nearly three days, and the evacuation took over 19 hours. As you can imagine, by the time you hit the road, you're exhausted, but you're behind the wheel, so you have to find some way to keep alert. I began to write, just, just in my mind, of course, a detective story. The first question was, where would it take place? It was not going to take place in South Mississippi. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, there are a lot of wonderful destinations, but I don't speak the language. So I settled on London. Fortunately, Hurricane Ivan didn't strike our town, so we went back and, you know, got everything back to normal, cleaned up the downed trees and branches and so forth. But I just kept thinking about this silly detective story, and occasionally I'd think, you know, that's a pretty good sentence. Maybe I should write it down, but I wasn't seriously writing. Hmm. And you mentioned hurricanes with an S, meaning plural. Do you have a second hurricane experience? Unfortunately, yes. The following year was Hurricane Katrina. And as I'm sure many people will remember, she was a big one, a Category 5. And that's the strongest storm designation for hurricanes. It was aimed right for our small town, but we weren't home. We were in North Carolina at the time to celebrate my mother's birthday. So we piled in the car and drove as fast as we could, well, legally speaking, but we didn't have much time to prepare. Ma evacuation was mandatory. I had nowhere safe to go. So if you want to talk about fear and panic, this was the time. 150 mile per hour winds, Surge waters over 20 feet. I have to tell you, I thought I wouldn't survive that storm. I knew the winds and the waves were coming. The storm was furious, and I had nowhere to evacuate to. I remember speaking to my children on the phone at the time. They were still at my mom's birthday party, and I was terribly, terribly afraid that I'd heard their voices for the last time. Hmm. I'm almost afraid to ask, what happened next? Well, long story short, I survived. 
but my home didn't. So that's my experience of trauma, at least the beginning of it. Fear of death, helplessness in the face of nature's fury, and heart-rending loss. And I have to say this morning, that's the experience of so many in Cleburne and Granbury, Texas, and even more recently in Moore, Oklahoma. My heart just goes out to those folks because I know they feared death. They were helpless when the storm came, and they are facing heart-rending loss. I had to begin the process of rebuilding my life, as they will. And as I did, I began to think more and more about this Scotland Yard detective story and even more about the victim of the crime. It was a violent crime. I mean, there's no sense in writing a story about a minor incident. So I decided that this story would be real and intense. It would involve pain and fear, and it would be told from the victim's point of view. So I had the story explore traumatic stress, its manifestations in the life of my young protagonist, and the insidious hold it has on those who suffer from it. But it also includes what the recovery process is like. So it's the why, the what, and the how. Let's talk for a moment about the recovery process, specifically your recovery process as it relates to the trauma that you experienced. I mentioned when, at the opening of the show that I really dislike the D that is attached to PTS because it, it um, assigns it a label that is uh, unnecessary. Post-traumatic stress is a natural byproduct of unnatural stress, extraordinary amounts of stress and um, difficult challenges that one has to go through. And to add that D as a disorder or a disease, implying that somehow we are ill if we go through this, um, flies in the face of the healing process from where I sit. Well, it certainly did from where I sat, because when I first heard post-traumatic stress disorder, right. I did think I had a disease. I mean, disorder implies there's something wrong with you. But the thing is, trauma following a crisis is to be expected. So I didn't have a disease. I had a response to a very, very traumatic and unusual event. So... When I wrote The Witness, I didn't allow anybody in the book to tell Jenny, that's the name of my protagonist, that she had PTSD. I, I just wasn't going to let anybody do that to her. I also think a lot about our veterans because I was, and the character in my book was, a normal, fully functioning individual who had something happen that we didn't ask for or deserve. It was something outside the range of usual human experience. Indeed. It is, it is a, uh, a normal response, like I mentioned before, to extraordinary circumstances. And this is the opportunity for uh, great healing and great exploration. When we go through something like this and we uh, experience the byproduct of emotions, responses, and symptoms that accompany um, surviving a traumatic event, it's also the opportunity for transformation and transcendence. Uh, and I want to explore that when we come back from the break, because we are going to that break, and I would love for us to do it gracefully. So I want to direct our listeners to find out more about 
about you and your book at www.naomikriski.com. And I'd like to spell that for you. It's N-A-O-M-I, K is in kiss, R-Y-S-K-E dot com. And for social media, you can find Naomi at Naomi Krisky, and I'm going to spell that again, N-A-O-M-I-K-R-Y-S-K-E. And on Facebook, it's author Naomi Krisky. And I also want to mention a new program that we are starting today at Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, which is our nonprofit that delivers integrated combat trauma recovery. Reboot is going to begin tonight. If you want to learn more about our six-week online community, go to HH the number four heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S dot org, and click on Reboot Online Programming. It's free, and it is going to be a terrific series that we're offering to our community. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back. And if you're just joining us now on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, we are talking about not just surviving, but thriving after trauma. And specifically as it relates today to natural disaster disasters, our hearts and minds are with the folks in Oklahoma and Texas. And we are here with Naomi, who is an author. She has written The, the Witness. And Naomi Krisky, we are talking with you about the transformative power of writing as a healing experience for what you went through in surviving two hurricanes. Yes, uh, and I'm glad you phrased it that way. The writing really was transformative. Uh, When someone has experienced a trauma like this, uh, there are so many changes that occur. And and I think one of the important things to to mention is that trauma isn't just experienced in the mind and the spirit. The body feels it. 
And the body remembers it. Even when you're not consciously thinking about the event, your body still retains that experience that you went through. So there are a lot of physical symptoms that, that stick with you. For me, writing helped me to process what I was feeling in my mind and my spirit and my body. And one of the things that I wanted to do in in my book, which is different from other books, is to have my protagonist recover because so many novels just catalog the deterioration of the individual. And I want people to know that healing is possible, even from devastating events. You can regain your life. You're not going to go back to the person you were before you're you're going to be a different person and and that's why psychologists and crisis counselors talk about a new normal but that new normal can be a good normal it can be a more compassionate normal it can be a normal that that propels you into doing something that you hope will affect the lives of other people in a positive way so that's what i tried to do with my writing i focused on the victim the process she went through and her recovery so as you can imagine it took a long time to write the book because i had to get there myself and when i got there myself i knew how i could make it reflect in the life of my protagonist she had a lot of help and and i think that's something very important we're so so we're such strong and resourceful individuals in in this country and that's certainly to our credit but there are times in life when it isn't weakness to seek help it's strength it shows a strength of character to to recognize when you have limitations and when you need someone else to to step in and give a little support give a little guidance uh that's certainly the case for a lot of folks and oftentimes it is the feedback you know that the listening itself becomes the act of love and the listening itself becomes therapeutic because what we need when we're going through something like this is to be heard yes and and even more important we need to to be heard without judgment so when we speak to someone about our experience and and the need to speak about it is a not going to occur just one time it's going to come up a number of times but when we do if we aren't judged that's a huge step forward for us it's the uh, unconditional positive regard that dr carl rogers who's one of the first humanist psychologists talks about it really is uh, assuming that we possess uh a huge amount of uh, inherent resiliency and the ability to really tune into what we need if we have somebody that can be there with us through the experience and this is often um put aside and what we're going to talk to Dr. Jody Bremer about this when she comes on in the next half of the show we put aside this when we are experiencing the host of symptoms that we didn't touch upon what your symptoms were and I would love for you to share a little bit about what you went through if you're willing to do so so others can understand how this manifests itself i'd be happy to do that um goodness one of the first ones sleep disturbances uh nightmares um i many many mornings i woke up at 5 or 5:15 in the morning because that was the time of day when we had to evacuate in order to be away from 
approaching storms. Uh, when hurricane season begins, which is June 1st and runs through November 30th, June, June 1st, yeah. 2nd, and 3rd can still be rough days because, again, the body remembers. I, I live in Texas now. I, I don't have the hurricane fears, so those have receded, but still things stay with you. Um, your eating habits may change. Um, panic attacks can occur. You know, sometimes for no reason, your heart will start to beat rapidly and you have to take deep breaths and, and try to calm yourself down. Um, sometimes it's hard to concentrate. Just a, some of the mental focus can be lost on a temporary basis. Uh, gosh, there are so many. Uh, one of the biggest ones for me was hypervigilance. That, that's a big word, but it just means an excessive awareness of danger. When you've been in a situation where a danger is approaching and you can't get away, that awareness doesn't leave you even when that particular incident is over. And that's one thing that I really would like to emphasize, that trauma isn't over when the incident is over. The trauma is just beginning that that process of rebuilding your life in a new way is just beginning. But I'm a big believer in the resilience of the human spirit. I do believe we have it. In some individuals, it needs a little more encouragement. But I, I believe that it is there. I know it's there. I, I couldn't agree with you more that uh, resiliency is a key factor. Hope, optimism, belief courage and certainly for people who are in the military they possess the, this and when they return home from service they, they are challenged by building life in the new post-war normal that we talked about this new new normal yes and it, it, it is essential to find tools and resources that buoy ourselves as we go through this and you've done it as a, a catharsis through writing you can be done through music it can be done through meditation it can be done through having somebody uh, uh, good, a good listener, whether it's a, a therapist or a, a clergy member or a good friend or peer support from others who have gone through similar experiences. And this I see as a gift that you can give, not only through your writing of The Witness, at, which is the first of a trilogy, and I want to get on to the other two books in a moment, but also through um, sharing, as you just have, what your experience was going through these hurricanes, the devastation of losing one's home, and then rebuilding a life, and then rebuilding trust for life, that, that bad things are not going to continue to happen. Yes, uh, it, really, it, it amounts to finding a new sense of safety, and that can be elusive for a while. Um, it's really a, an unusual experience when something happens to you that you didn't ask for and you didn't deserve. And, and again, I'm thinking of so many people in, in Texas and Oklahoma this morning. And, and really, that's the simplest definition of trauma I can think of. It's having to live with the consequences of something you didn't ask for or deserve that caused intense fear, helplessness, or horror. So you're really at the bottom. It's a long road up. Um, there will be fear that will be a part of, of your life for quite some time. But it's an important distinction, I think, to recognize that fear is a feeling. Courage is what you do as you step forward. 
And fear is often present, even when we move into action. And that's okay. We, we can have some fear present. We can still commit ourselves, ourselves to a new way of life. And we can still move forward and be healthy and productive human beings. Because we are healthy and productive human beings. I don't believe trauma changes that part of us. It just requires us to respond in a unique way. And, and transformational way, I, I like to add, because it is that transformation that marks somebody who is a thriver, not just a survivor. And we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Jody Bremer more about this in the second half of the show. But let's talk about the trilogy, the Witness Trilogy. Tell us about the other two books. Well, the second book is called The Mission. Uh, it's nearly finished. I, I hope by the end of the, the summer I'll have a completed manuscript. Uh, it's also going to talk about trauma, but this one will be the trauma of grief. Because, as you know, a, a sudden unexpected death can also result in PTSD for surviving loved ones. So it will deal with that issue. The third one, the hostage, <laughs> which is now mainly lots of notes written on napkins and, and other things that I happen to have when a thought came to me. It's going to deal with the trauma of injustice because I think injustice is something else that can happen to people that they didn't deserve and that is fairly long-term in, in, in the effect that it has on us. So once I realized I had something healing to say about trauma, I did want to address trauma in more than one context. Mm. This is beautiful because it offers a place of solace, or solace, depending upon how you pronounce it, for uh, people to go with this work when they may not be ready for a more conventional approach. And, you know, there are many ways to skin this, the cat, so to speak, and we'll talk more about that later in the show. But there are many ways to come back to oneself, and I think that... Uh, one should not negate creative writing, reading, music, movement, anything that helps you access and become more present in your body, present in the moment, because the present moment is, is safe. When we've survived these horrendous events, uh, most of the time we get ourselves looped into fear and anxiety because we're worried about the future or ruminating about the past. And with reading and, and writing, you're firmly rooted in the present moment. Yes, you absolutely are. Uh, and that leads me to another point, which I think is important. Uh, I really have a mission with this book. I really want people to know that healing is possible. Devastating things are going to happen to us from time to time in our lives, but they do not have to defeat us. So in my novel, my, my protagonist is first a victim, then a survivor, but there's a third step in that healing process, and I call it victory. And that's when you have transcended your experience. You have transformed yourself into a new individual. You're stronger than you were before. And, and I think that can be true. Sometimes we are stronger in the places where we have been broken. Oh, how beautifully put. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you being here. And to learn more about Naomi Krisky's work, please go to N-A-O-M-I-K-R-Y-S-K-E dot com. And on Twitter, she is at Naomi Krisky. And on Facebook, it's author Naomi Krisky. Thank you so much. And have a beautiful day. And thanks for sharing your heart on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. You're very welcome. 
We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. likes to win, enter our weekly contests at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook where we give away our guests' books, music, film, and products each week. In addition, we also do great Harvesting Happiness giveaways like free coaching sessions with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Lisa's Books, Happiness First Aid Kits, H-Factor Where Is Your Heart documentary film, Happiness is an inside job products, including the Sterling Silver Infinity Bracelet that benefit Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues. Join us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness, because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are speaking about trauma. We're speaking about post-traumatic stress and how it affects us uh, individually. We were talking earlier about the uh, tornado victims with a a Hurricane Katrina thriver, I'd like to add, um, who survived uh, actually two hurricanes and how it affected her life and and, and catalyzed uh, a complete... uh, uh, departure, and uh, she became a writer. If you have questions and you want to join our crazy conversation, because humor actually is a, a great intervention when one is challenged, uh, join us at 877-864-4869. Again, that's 877-864-4869. Log into our chat room at toginet.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can tweet at us at hashtag harvesting happiness. And let's get to Jody Bremer, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a master's of arts in clinical psychology with emphasis in marriage and family therapy. Jody received a special certification and verification from the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists working with military and their families in private practice. Servicemen and women from the Marines, Navy, Army, and Air Force are significantly 
our significant specialty, allowing her to provide personalized care for all of the military members and their families struggling with the specific hardship the military incurs, such as long-term separations, multiple deployments, and post-traumatic stress. And I am leaving off the D, Jody. Welcome. <laughs> That That's okay. Off, actually. I thank that you deep. for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. You know, we're a little irreverent with that D because it, um, and 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 we do use it in in, in our work um, over here, but. The D is is hanging a lot of people up from getting treatment, and that's why I dislike it so. Oh, my clients all call me Jody. All right. All right. So I'm so glad that you were able to have that wonderful speaker prior on the Hurricane Katrina incident. I was listening to her, and everything she described was so right on track with the post-traumatic stress experience that, that people experience. Uh, people often think that post-traumatic stress disorder is exclusive to to war veterans, but in all in all honesty, post-traumatic stress can occur with any traumatic event where people feel the fear or the reality of losing life or losing somebody close to them or something, such as witnessing a fire next door. It can truly affect and scar ourselves from childhood on. Rape, and, sexual assault, um, molestation, uh, uh, being attacked in in a park, all of these things can create all of the whirlwind of symptoms that uh, your previous guest described, not just war. And not just war. And the good news is that there is a recovery process. And there are many amazing men and women such as yourself who are out there working with veterans and, and everyday civilians who have experienced trauma and are learning to thrive and overcome in spite of what happened and not be defined by it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the entire structure of our government defense system uh, had to restructure following the Iraqi war because so many of our young men and women were not only going over there and coming back, but coming back affected. And it was finally time to go beyond the term shell shock and go beyond the term of, of whatever they used in, in Vietnam to actually determine that this was a, a real valid problem that our young men and women were facing. And not only that, but this kind of war situation that we're in now is even different from Vietnam, in that in Vietnam, people would go away for a year, and if they were lucky enough to come back, it was a year without communication, but then they came back and they were done. Now, we have our young men going over serving six or seven months, coming back for six or seven months, and doing multiple deployments. And um, that creates a whole new stress factor. I think the latest uh, numbers were that 330,000 of our military members were coming back affected. And, and how could you not be? How could anybody go over to a war situation and not come back inherently affected? 
Oh, I, I, I agree. And the statistics are something like 20 to 25 percent of all of those who serve will come back with some form of PTS. And I think that that is a, a manipulated number. I think it's probably way more than that because it's oh. normal. <laughs> you know, it's you're human. Of course, if you go over and see things that you're not used to seeing on the catastrophic levels that people go over there and see, how can it be 25 percent? I would say it's closer to 99 percent because everyone comes back with wounds whether it be physical wounds or soul wounds, um, people are affected because this isn't what we were raised to see or do, and things are different in a war zone. And indeed they are. And the process of returning home is very different than in prior conflicts. And we should talk a little bit about that because in conflicts, let's say in Vietnam, for example, or going back further to the uh, World War One, World War Two, and Korea, etc., there was a transitory process. There was a, a decompression process where you would come home on a ship uh, with your buddies over a period of time. You would process what happened. And it wasn't a foolproof cure. It was a cure by no means but it allowed a little bit of the decom natural decompression process to happen. And with the present wars, one day you're in theater and the next day you're in the supermarket. And that is a problem unto itself. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Not to mention families. Uh, this communication aspect brings on different um, pros and cons because the family members are fooled into thinking, well, they're only a phone call away or a Skype away. But the reality is, is that the things being faced on the other end are so different that for the military folk to wrap their head around protecting somebody from an IED or going on a sweep is a very different than listening to the fact that the baby didn't get to sleep all night. And the concentration factor and the interaction factor and going a day or two without communication and worrying the women back home. And, and then when the men come back, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound sexist, um, when the military member comes back home, the integration process, as you just said, is, is very sudden and very immediate. But the reality is that the landscape, and I'm talking literal and figurative, the landscape over in Afghanistan or Iraq is very different than the landscape here. Uh, the rules, the laws, the enemies, um, it, it's hard for a young man. And we have to remember that these guys going over are anywhere from 18 to 24 years old, generally speaking. And this is, this is an experience that they haven't had the chance to process. Let's talk a little bit about the physiological changes that go on with trauma and a little bit about our brains, because you, you said something that I'm really tapping into about the ages of these young men and young women. Let's not forget about them. Um, firstly, when we are um, stress overloaded, when we, our bodies are flooded with stress hormones, a couple of things happen. We can't think clearly, number one. You know, we're not thinking with the executive parts of our brain. We're thinking with the primal parts of our brain that are right. worried about surviving. So that's the one issue, I think, that when um, we bring people's awareness to this fact that, they, that there's a physiological response to the trauma, they the tend not... Yes, they tend not to get uh, caught up as much in the D that I hate so much in the PTSD uh, element, you know, the disorder or the disease. That uh, when they recognize that there's a physiological thing happening, it's a lot more easy to wrap your brain and your arms around what's going on because you begin to understand it. 
Absolutely. And the physiological responses, uh, when people come to me for anxiety and they talk about the symptoms of anxiety, that their heart starts to race and they start to feel hot or their palms are sweaty or the hair on the back of the neck is standing up, oftentimes the reasons for the anxiety, you know, you have a feeling, so you put a thought into it. Okay, I'm feeling this way because I'm looking at this great big roller coaster that I'm getting ready to climb on in Disneyland. Or um, I'm, I'm excited about something, so the excitement is causing me to sweat and, and, and have an accelerated heart rate. Or it might be something that you're getting on the elevator with somebody who looks a little skeezy or you're going into an alley and you're a little bit worried. So when we have the anxiety feelings, generally speaking, we can put a thought to it. And that explains to our body and to our mind why we are reacting the way we are. But with post-traumatic stress, leaving off the D, or any kind of hypervigilance, we have this flood of hormones and chemicals in our system that are, that are rushing all of this anxiety into overload, and we've got no valid reason that we can attribute to it. So instead, a lot of times people think, oh, my God, I'm going crazy. There's nothing to account for this. Um, it's, it, it's hard on the system and it's hard on the mind, and we have to let people know that, that this, this physiological change is, is not only real and valid but completely understood. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in the understanding of it. I, I believe that there's power. And with that power and knowledge comes the ability to do something about it. We're going to go to a break in a minute. And I want to just uh, touch upon one more thing. And that is the a- average age of the men and women who are being deployed. You mentioned between 18 and 24. And I want to touch upon what happens to our brains, that our brains are not fully developed. The uh, prefrontal cortex, the area that governs executive functioning, reason, emotions, etc. is not fully formed until the mid-20s. So when you send these young men and women off to war, what makes them uh, good soldiers is their ability to do what what they're told to do. And when they come home, they are still in barely into adulthood. And I believe that there's not enough study going on about the brain science and how this is affecting the PTS that these young men and women are experiencing. I want to talk more about this. We're going to go to the break to learn more about Dr. Jody Bremer and the work that she does, please visit www.jody.jody, and that's a good D, not as in PTSD, J-O-D-Y, <laughs> B as in boy, R-E-M-E-R.com. And we're going to come back. We'll talk more about post-traumatic stress, what you can learn and what you can do about it to help yourself or someone you love who may be going through something similar. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? 
Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. A part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Today we are speaking about post-traumatic stress. This is something that we touch upon at least monthly here on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio because of the work that I do with our returning veterans. And today's second guest is Jody Bremer. She's a, a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in working with our returning military personnel and their families uh, specific to the hardships that their service incurs, such as long-term separations, multiple deployments, and PTS without the darn D. And <laughs> prior to the break, we were talking about the brain of a young man and woman who goes off to war. And let's just add the brain of a young man and woman, period, being the mother of two teens. That <laughs> brain is not fully developed till the mid-20s, right, Jody? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's funny that you should talk about this because my thesis paper was on the psychobiology of the teenage brain, and I equated it with um, that only car rental dealerships have it right. Do you know why? Yes, I do. Was it over 25 or 26? <clears throat> you cannot rent a car until you're 25, Yep. which a lot of young people think, my God, we can go to war at age 18, we can drink legally at age 21, but we can't rent a darn car here. We've been driving since 16. But the car rental dealerships are, or car rental places are the only ones that have it right because studies have shown new psychobiology reports have shown that the human brain is not fully developed until about the age of 25, or like you said, mid-20s, sometimes a little younger, sometimes a little older. Women are known biologically to uh, mature a little bit faster. But the idea is that our brains form in the limbic system, and that's the most basic and primal of areas um, in the brain to form. It's the first one. It's the needs. It's the hunger. It's the anger. It's the fear. It's what babies show. The baby's limbic system in a healthy baby is formed <laughs> as it has been through evolutionary times. And as we grow older and progress and more uh, uh, stems are reaching out and the systems are connecting with each other and all the brain units, I'm trying to, you know, I'm showing you with my hands, can you see? I can. <laughs> um, 
staring out with my hands. My Um, eyes are closed and I can see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The brain forms like from the back of a question mark over to the top of the question mark. And the front part is the front of the head, the forehead part, which is the executive functioning or the frontal cortex. And only in the frontal cortex is the reasoning and the judgment and the uh, consequences really established. And if you think about it, if you have teenagers, you know that they don't necessarily make the best choices. They look at a, a cliff and they think, boy, that would be fun to jump off. But when you're 25 or 30, you think, what's at the bottom of the cliff that I'm going to jump on? And you don't necessarily have that judgment. It just looks fun. Hence the movie Jackass, where all of these boys are doing really dangerous things. They don't really see the consequence thereafter. And all of this is because they have this desire to to leave the nest. They have this desire to go out and do dangerous, fun, exciting, adrenaline-producing things, but they haven't quite mastered what the end game is going to be, which is what happens when the frontal cortex is completely formed roughly in your mid, mid-20s. So because of that, we have these wonderful, healthy people joining the military wanting to do the right thing, you know, fight the bad guy, protect our country, be patriotic, do what they need to do, and and they go off with these ideas that this is all good and that there is no bad, and even the bad is exciting and that they're immortal and they're not going to die, nothing bad's going to happen because they are who they are. And then they go off to war, and then there's this, this solid cement wall of reality of, of war, and it stops them cold, and their experiences that they have are not running coordinatingly with what they thought or what used to be in their teenage life as this glory of what shooting the bad guy was, you know, the guy in the white hat versus the guy in the black hat. It blurs, it changes, and their morals change and their values change, and there's this inner conflict that their brains haven't fully grasped all of the intricacies of the things that they're dealing with. And not to mention just the biology of the brain and the psychology of it, but now we've added this incredibly difficult component of war. And having to blend both of those together into this massive, complex structure known as the human brain is is tough. (laughs) I don't even think there's a word to describe it. Oh, I, I agree. And I love the way you describe this in full living color, because it, this is not a Call of Duty game where you press the reset button. And I think that that is um, the shock to these young men and women. And when you think of what your analogy of the 25-year-old being the one that can rent the car, you know, that that is a milestone. Um, what about an 18 or 20-year-old who is driving a Humvee into battle? And what's going on in his mind as he's going off to war and moreover when he returns the assimilation of all of those emotions plus the maturation process that would go on regardless of he or she went to war. You know, that he's still or, or she is still growing up and becoming an adult, but then you're coming home dealing with all of these conflicted emotions from the war experience, the moral injury, the invisible wounds, the trauma, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Lisa, I don't know how many 
clients you have that have said the same words that mine say, which is I have 22-year-olds coming into my office saying they're old men, that mm -hmm. they feel like they're old men. Yes. They're old men, old women. They don't know how to make it stop. And, um, you know, they, they just hope they can make it through. I mean, I, I do hear this a lot. And the, the conflict of, of conventional therapy over medication, over following doctor's orders, over forging their own path for treatment, finding integrated ways to deal with the symptoms and the grief, and then the physical wounds of war. In many cases, I see a lot of people who... Uh, have been physically very, very wounded. You know, loss of limbs, yeah. um, have had multiple surgeries. The TBIs, uh, there are a, a lot of TBIs that I see, and that uh, is uh, yeah, a problem as well. And how could there not be? I'm, I'm, even TBI is a fairly new term in psychology. Um, they didn't recognize it years ago. And how could anyone suffer a uh, concussion from being blown back from an IED and not have their brain be jostled about in their skull. I mean, it's, it's, it's real. And these men and women, these, these men come back and their bodies may be 22, their brains are God knows how old, and then they come across other civilian 22-year-olds who have no way to compare one set of experiences to another. And it's... Um, it's got to be difficult to, to find one's place in the world in that post-war new normal or post-trauma new normal when you have been exposed to things that age you beyond your years and to find to find your place to find you know happy place is um, you know it's an oxymoron because the word happiness is, is annoying but I like using it because it gets people's attention what we're yep. really talking about is a, a sense of sustainable well-being of being able to be comfortable in one's body and one's own skin to create a life worth meaning and that's really the issue yes and that would be a whole other show. <laughs> I, I, you know what? And we are going to do that show because I think we could do it very, very well together. And it is the, the basis, the cornerstone of the work that I do with Harvesting Happiness for Heroes because I use an applied positive psychology coaching approach that destigmatizes the whole the whole shebang, you know, instead of telling them that they're, they've got the D, you know, that ugly D, that mm -hmm. they've got some things that need to be reframed and transcended. And how one gets there is very individual and it's, uh, can be very empowering that it's about redefining one's mission going forward in life. Absolutely. And, and scary. And scary. And scary for the partners back home as well. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And um, we do work with the, the partners of a lot of these young men and women. And the strength of heart that comes from these partnerships is quite astounding, too. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The PTS, well, PTS relationship <laughs> um, involves a lot more than, than just the solo person affected because so many people are affected. So many, the, the, the partners, the children, the, yes. the extended family, and I believe that that is why this is becoming such a uh, social problem 
as well because of the the suicides, the the, the homicides that can ensue from um, someone who is experiencing PTS and they're not managing themselves properly, the secondhand trauma to the children, the compassion fatigue of the mate that just simply gets worn out. All of this, we need to have another show. We should probably just do a show about about the families. You know, that might be Absolutely. really helpful. Can we, should we do that? We'll, we'll get Kelly. Yeah, let's Am do I that. Am I invited back? You're invited back, yeah. I'm not Johnny Carson, so I don't think it means as much, but I know that we're touching <laughs> a lot of hearts and minds. So we will do that. And we have about run out of time, so I want to make sure that we give our listeners your website once again. It's www.jodyjod as in delicious, Y, B as in boy, R-E-M-E-R.com. That's jodybremer.com. You can learn about the incredible work that Jody's doing with our military servicemen and women and their families who are dealing with the long-term separations, the multiple deployments, and post-traumatic stress without the darn D. We are leaving it off from here on out. And um, I just got a little tweet, tweet, tweet on my phone. Um, that is pretty interesting. I just got word that my book, uh, Are We Happy Yet?, is out on Amazon for your reading pleasure. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay. I, you know, <laughs> that's wow. really cool. So go buy some books, people. Are We Happy Yet? by Lisa Cypress came in on Amazon.com. What a nice piece of news for this fine Wednesday. And Jody, thank you so much for joining me. And I want to close out with a few thoughts before we part. And that is happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen along with Jody Bremer and Naomi Krisky wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Thanks to my producers, Kelly St. Clair and Roy, who make me and everyone on this show look swell each and every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And please go buy some books, everyone. Are we happy yet on Amazon.com? I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to just have a toast with a cup of tea over here when the show is over. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Nobody got no time anyway. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available.